Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, Proof HQ. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a brand new season of Content Pros. I'm really excited to be joined by two new folks to Content Pros. So Randy Frisch from Uberflip is our new co-host. Really excited to have Randy. They're an amazing partner in the App Cloud system for us at Oracle Marketing Cloud. And we are joined today by the one, the only, Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, it's Randy here. Joe, it's great to have you. Uh, for many people, I don't think that uh, an intro is really necessary. Uh, you know, I think everyone knows you. It's funny this morning when I when I told my wife that I was coming in to do this podcast and interviewing Joe, she said, "Oh, isn't that the nice guy who always wears orange?" So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, you make an impression with everyone, and uh, I think that's because you've uh, really been educating everyone on the importance of content. So it's it's great to kick off this season uh, with you being here. Thank you. I'm going to have to send a nice thank you letter to your wife now. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she'll, she'll look forward to it. it it's funny. I, you know, that orange thing really takes off. My, my youngest kid actually is obsessed with orange as well. I don't know what from. It's, it's to the point where in the morning I have to shift through all the vitamins to find only the orange ones from him, which is the most ridiculous process ever. But, you know, it's important to him. Just, just I, as I'm, I'm sure the orange shirt is important to you. I like your entire family I'm when I I'm, I'm gonna have to stay with you at some point this is this is fantastic I never knew this stuff this is gold absolutely um, so it, it's great to have you here and 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 obviously you know you you teach a lot of people about content uh, you you push the importance of it but but you also author a lot of content yourself and I, I was reading a you know a piece from you recently and one of the things that you talked about was you know, leveraging, you know, your employees to write content in any company, not just having the content marketing team, if you will. Um, and I'm just curious how, how you kind of have gone about having that happen at, at Content Marketing Institute itself. I think the employees are your most uh, important content natural resource, whether they're your subject matter experts or whether, I mean, they just have a passion for something. Uh, and we have the struggles just like any other company where there's some people that have the will, but they just haven't been able to find their way to create content. But what we want to do is we want to take the ones that really do have a passion, that really do want to create content. And by the way, when I say create content, that doesn't just mean text. That could be a podcast in some form. Uh, it could be videos, whatever the case is, but have them you know, go ahead and experiment or give them the opportunity and find a way to integrate that into the current you know, content marketing strategy that you have. So it's ba the, the best way to do it, and this is not just with our organization at CMI, it's it's with when we work with other organizations or I'm out speaking, is find the 5%. Find the 5% that really, really get it and they want to do it because what will happen is you'll go out and say, hey, we're going to do employee content marketing now. You guys can all blog or something like that. And everybody gets all excited and everybody raises their hand and nothing happens. So what we really want to do is we want to find the one, two, three, five people 
that you can really work on as a beta test, get them their processes working, get the raw content from those individuals, then figure out the process. Like, don't ask them to say, hey, you got to do 800 to 1,200 words just this way in this project management system. It's better to just say, let's get the raw content from you however we can. We have editors and journalists that will help you with your story and make it sound great, and it will fit into our overall strategy this way and get those really good case studies and then go from there. So just find that 5% and go with them and then you'll get the other people to say, hey, that's good, that's interesting, I like that. And, and you'll see that it's, you'll see it start to help the organization. Sounds like a big part of the culture there. Oh, we have a wacky, you know, we're a virtual company. We have a really wacky culture. We have, I think, 28 uh, people all over the world that are part of uh, Content Marketing Institute, and then add another 150, 100, uh, 175 contributors. So it's it's really crazy. So we've got to make, we have an open spirit, I would say, at Content Marketing Institute. And what I love more than anything is, if you feel like there's an opportunity where you want to express yourself, we've got to give you that opportunity. And uh, we've never said no. We Sometimes we say yes, but, or let's take another look at that, or this is how we can make that happen, but we never say no. So coincidentally, Joe, my son's favorite color is also orange. I don't know how that happened what either. What is going on? Yeah, he has like three pairs of world orange shoes, which... Yeah, orange it's doesn't be a match. Superhero that we don't know of yet. That's uh, that's taken on this orange color. Yeah, or, like the Syracuse orange or something like. Content some, marketing man is all citrus man. for for citrus sure. Man. Absolutely. Hey, you'll all be welcome in Cleveland. Well, I'll take you to. <laughs> awesome, but you know, I'm curious. You well, one, you have a new book coming out, which I'd love for you to tell everyone about. But you have built pretty much a content empire and it's through content. So you have Content Marketing Institute, you have Content Marketing World, which hopefully this year there's bacon with one of the keynotes, which I'll let you share. But could you just talk a little bit about how content has powered everything that you guys have done? So it's it's not only for content marketers, but I think you've lived your own case study as you talk about in the book. Well, not, not to forward ahead, but you bring up the book. And so the first three books that I wrote were all for enterprise marketers, all about content marketing. And I really had this passion project where I wanted to say, look, we, you know, Content Marketing Institute, we built, we had, you know, didn't have two nickels to rub together. We went with this content driven approach as a business model. It's worked really, really well for us. I would like to tell that story, but I didn't want to do it, you know, in good content marketing fashion. I just didn't want to say, oh, this is Joe's story. I wanted to go out and find other people because I didn't know how many were out there, you know, going after this content-driven business approach. And we found dozens and dozens and dozens of different case studies in multiple industries as we were doing because we've been doing uh, interviews for the last 12 months around this thing. And we went and we reverse engineered like every one of those case studies and we found out that there are six steps. There's actually a process and all these companies follow these six steps going along with it. That's the, what we call the Content Inc. model now. You know, Content Inc. is the book that comes out in September. And I'm just, I can't tell you, Chris, how excited I am about this because I really feel that this, like, if you were going to start a business today or if you were in a corporate environment and you wanted to leave and go do something else, this is the absolute best way to do it, and I think that the majority of businesses, it's the—it's so hard. And you know, Randy, you know, you've been through this. And Chris, you work with a lot of companies that you know. There's you go after investment dollars, and you do it a certain way, and there's a lot of risk, and you go into a lot of debt in some cases. And 
and I think that, that maybe we found a, um, a better mousetrap to do this with, and that's what you know we used at Content Marketing Institute, and, and just basically the whole idea behind it is build a loyal audience first, consistently over time, and then monetize it. Don't launch the product first. Uh, and that's really foreign, especially I've talked to a couple, you know, VC investors into seed, uh, you know, seed investors into companies. And they look at me like I've got two heads, like what, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Dude? Like, we need a product. You need a service. We need something to get behind. I said, no, 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 trust me in the next couple of years, this is the way most of these businesses, successful businesses are going to launch. And lucky for us is we were able to find a number of uh, case studies in all these industries that, that showed us that there's this model here and it's I'm just super excited about it and you know let alone the fact that um, you know we're able to tell our own story of you know we started you know with content marketing Institute we built the mag you know print magazine and the event content marketing world and it's just led into this approach where you can really be the leading informational expert in your industry, but there is a certain process and magic behind it. And, uh, and of course, add on top of that, patience, which a lot of companies, especially enterprise companies, don't have, but I absolutely is, is a must. So like if you're impatient, like look, think about content marketing, if you're impatient, go buy advertising, go do something else. Uh, but if you want to build a long-term asset over time, then it's a great choice. You know, Joe, that's that's so dead on. I, I think you know to your point, you know companies like Chris's company at, at Oracle. I mean, they they create and pump out amazing content and really relate to their audiences. And and sometimes some of us get overwhelmed, right? It's you know how are we going to go and and replicate you know what Oracle is able to do? Um, but it's amazing, you know, for us, we kind of. Uh, you know, serve customers who kind of go from, you know, say small, medium business to mid-market up to enterprise. And it's amazing to see some of the, the amazing content and the amazing strategical approach that these small businesses are taking. So, you know, who do you think at that early stage, though, uh, you know, of a company starting to focus on content really needs to, to take ownership over content? Is there one person? Does it have to come from the CEO? Does it have to come from a VP of marketing? Who, who has to own that and push that? Well, there's no, well, you know me, Randy, there's no one way to do anything. So I'm, there's no black or white when it comes There's multiple ways to do it. But I will tell you this, when we get calls to do our on-site advisory and training, those calls never come in from the C-level, ever. They always come in from some marketing manager or director that's really struggling, that totally gets content marketing, that can't sell it internally, that needs somebody like us to come in and say and pat everybody on the back and give everybody a hug and say, it's going to be okay. This content marketing thing will work. This is what you have to do. And basically, we reiterate almost the same things that the champion says. So there's got to be some champion. Now, whether that resides in marketing in public relations and public affairs communications generally we see it in marketing but we're, we're you know we're talking to marketers all all day long uh, I'm sure that there's that's happening on the public relations side as well we just don't see it as clearly so you have to have some champion and you see then from there there's some beta test there's somebody that says here's the hypothesis here's the audience we're targeting here's how we can tell a different story to that audience here's the platform and here's what we think is going to happen for the business if we do it right. And you kind of got to give them a six-month leeway with that. And you got to get, and that's what we help to do when we go in and say, look, you, you know, this is going to take over a year to really build a long-term loyal audience 
but you have you have to go in steps and a lot of people you know we live in a campaign world still and they're they want to have results right away and we're trying to tell them that this is going to be a long-term strategic asset they're like well let's do it now I want to get it going now absolutely so yeah so just got to be patient with it so yeah find that the champion could be come from anywhere in the organization we most likely see it happening at lower levels in marketing and in big companies and uh, especially with all the silos like Christine you know all the different silos in, in your organization that you have to deal with it usually comes one person in a champion in one silo it's not like an overarching vision guy that says we're going to do this I wish that was the case Randy but it's usually not it usually comes from grassroots level yeah that's that's a good point I mean you know obviously it's only stronger when you can get uh, you know buy-in from from higher-ups in the company and you know one of the things that I've always admired about about Content Marketing Institute and yourself is that you know as you're as you're building this empire um, you know with events as as Chris touched in so many different places I can only imagine it's getting harder and harder for you to carve out time to create content so you know to, to get that buy-in as we talked about earlier from employees to create more content more often and I'm probably guilty of this myself these days of you know, focusing on the business versus you know the messaging we have out there. How do you how do you encourage or how do you yourself find the time or block off that time to create content on a regular basis? Well, I, it, that's a great question. I'll answer it for me, and then I'll give another answer to it because I'm in a um, an envious position probably because I, my job is to create content. That is what I do. I mean, I'm the the strategic visionary. I'm the CEO of the organization. But at the same time, my day-to-day -day responsibilities, for the most part, revolve in me going around, speaking around the world, uh, doing podcasts, and writing. And that, that's what I do, you know, writing books like Content Inc. so that we can have new a new audience look at what we're doing at CMI and come to the events and those types of things. So that's sort of my role and how we do it. Now, to you, you, know, you mentioned more content. And it's funny, I just, I just had a strategic engagement this afternoon with a large governmental body and they have you know hundreds and hundreds of social media channels and blogs and whatnot and I just sat down with them and I said sometimes less is more you're spreading yourself so thin you don't have to be in every channel you could listen in some of those channels you don't have to actually publish in every channel known to man I mean let's this be let's let's figure out the two or three or four channels that you actually provide value Let's focus on those first. And what if you did shut down of your uh, 250 or 300 social channels? What if you shut down 50 of those? And what if you consolidated a little bit? And what if you focused on this area? Because we don't have to be all things to all people. So, Randy, I guess that's where I'm at right now, where I go into some of these big companies, and they're just publishing all over the place. It's a mess. It's like throwing spaghetti against the wall. And I think there's a better way to say, you know what, let's build a platform that's really valuable targeted to a very specific audience and let's do that better than anyone else around this story that nobody else is telling in this particular way I just think they, I was it's basic it's publishing 101 it's just that most enterprises aren't doing that because we feel because we can we should and, and and that's not the case in my opinion that's a great point I'm sure that that's true especially with the content ink angle that you're gonna you're gonna help uh, help new new content creators focus on Oh, and you know what? By the way, we have the same uh, uh, struggles as everyone else because you know we purchased an event called Intelligent Content Conference, and we sort of brought it with us 
these technical documentation people, all these content strategists. So we're like, oh, let's create a new platform here. And then, of course, Content Inc., Joe's Pet Project. He's doing a book. He's got a podcast. How do we integrate that? And I just we just had a meeting yesterday on it where we said, look, let's let's double down on our core audience. Uh, let's really focus on doing and being the best at what we've been doing and not necessarily dilute that and dilute resources into other areas that we can't be the expert. And that's sort of my litmus test now, Randy, on how we're going to go to market in certain areas. If I say, and by the way, that's why we, we were going international. That's why we pulled out of some of the countries was to specifically say, can we be the leading informational expert or the leading service provider of whatever in that market? around this content niche and if the answer is a clear no get out stop doing it there's no way that they're going to then choose us or think about a blog right it's like oh well i'm going to do it i'm going to do a knitting blog oh you are there's like you know there's a thousand other knitting blogs out there what's going to make you somebody move from the knitting blog they better engage you get to my knitting blog you know we don't we think our content is so special it has to be to cut through the clutter and unfortunately, that's not what we're focusing on. So it's really just getting focused on what we could be the best at, almost like back to Jack, um, you know, uh, uh, Welch's uh, GE philosophy of, hey, am I going to be, you know, number one or number two in a market? Now you might say that that's not right, or maybe not comparable to content marketing. But I think in this day and age, with so many options for our consumers to engage in information. We have to pick our spots really well, and spreading it thin over a thousand channels and not being the expert of anything is a really good way to get fired in, in some of these large companies. Hmm. Well, Joe, you touched on the concept of the content champion earlier, and while there may be one person that spearheads content, one of our sponsors who helps make the show happen, Proof HQ, can help with everything else. So even if it's one person, you still have to deal with approvals and edits and get all the different people involved for feedback on things like logos or photos, and some of it is, does it have enough pop? Is it flashy? Stuff you may want to discard, but you still have to talk to other people to get content out. So with Proof HQ, it's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. You can work together seamlessly on blog posts, eBooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. You can check it out at bit.ly slash proofhq. So Joe, one thing you hit on earlier with your new book, you said you boiled it down to six steps that everyone should take. So I have a question. Let's assume that our listeners are in organizations with some amount of organizational complexity. So they don't have completely free room to just do anything they want with content. They have sure. other people they have to get buy-in from. But what's the first thing they should do? So just broad brushstroke, what's the first thing someone who's already producing content should do to make their content strategy better for next year? So I'll go through, you know, if you don't mind, Chris, I'll go through quickly the six steps because I think that if, if you're well, in a lot I didn't want yeah. to spoil the book. No, no, no. Hey, I, I'm a content marketer, man. I give everything away. And if you really still like it, then you can buy the book. Um, so here's the six steps. And I really think that if you're in a large enterprise, there's a, so there's a lot of talk about branded content out there. I, mean, I don't like that term at all. I like building content brands. So if you're going to build a content brand, a content destination, there's really six steps to go about it that we talk about in the book. The first is you really need to define your sweet spot. So what is that area that you really have an authority to publish versus that, that area that um, your customers really have a pain point around? 
Like what is that? It's what we would call the, in a large company that we would call that the sweet spot. So we want to focus on that first. Then you have to go to the most important part. The second step is the content tilt. Nobody does this, Chris. It's really to, to ask yourself, all right, can we be the leading informational expert around this and how niche do we need to go to get there to find an area of little to no competition from a content standpoint? So, you know, I'll give you one of the ones we talk in the book. This is a small, uh, small business case study, but I love it. So Ann Reardon, who is the cooking queen of uh, baking queen of Sydney, Australia, I love she's got a how to cook that.net and she's she started a baking blog. Well, how many baking blogs are there out there? There's like a thousand plus all over the place, but she focused on a content tilt of impossible food creations. So she wants to look at things like she wants you to look at it and say, that can't be done. There's no way that can't be like, so if you remember, I don't know if you saw this on the web and it was spread around millions of times where the Instagram cake, you cut into the cake and you see the Instagram logo. So that was Ann Reardon who did that. Or she says, I'm going to take 10 pounds of Snickers bars and put them into a cake. Same with a business, whether you're business to business, whether you're a large consumer enterprise, is if we're targeting a specific audience, we have to figure out how we actually are telling a different story and what is that. So that's what we call the content tilt. Then I'm going to get, this is really rocket science. I actually wanted to figure out how we could make this more complicated as we looked and reverse engineered all these case studies. But number three is building the base. What is building the base? You focus on one platform. That's either textual, audio, or video. Over the, over, so that's the type of content over some platform. That could be a blog, YouTube, iTunes, whatever the case is. And you publish consistently over time. So what's interesting is we looked at all these case studies, Chris. It took 15 to 17 months to monetization. Now, most of the case studies we looked at in the book, these are multi-million dollar operations now. They started from zero. And it took 15 to 17 months of monetization. Where most enterprises go wrong is they start a blog, they start a video, they start a podcast, and they want, they're trying to reap the rewards from that immediately before they build an audience. So that's the key. So you have to build that base, and then that moves right into step four, which is harvesting the audience. Number one thing for all these case studies that we looked at was, for the most part, email subscribers. So really, really key to all this stuff is, and by the way, I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of getting fans and followers and subscribers on YouTube and all that stuff, but the problem is, is we don't own those connections. We don't control what Facebook does. We don't control what LinkedIn does. We hope that they play nice with us, but we don't control it. Where do we have the most control? That's email subscription. So what we saw most of these businesses do, Chris, is they would focus on as they built the base into getting people to sign up for opt-in subscription. Email is not dead. I think it's more alive than ever before. It may be harder to cut through the clutter, but if you can cut through the clutter, super, super important. And then the last two, once you harvest that audience and you come up with a minimal viable audience where you can say, hey, we're getting close to monetization. So in a big company that might be, hey, we can show that we can grow sales through these subscribers. Uh, we can keep them longer as customers, whatever. We could drive more qualified leads, whatever the case is. Then we see diversification. So think about it this way, and ESPN did this. I'm a big ESPN fan. ESPN, they were just a cable broadcast network for a long, long time. Well, now they diversified into a magazine. They have an awards program. Uh, they have a podcast network, radio network, on and on and on, multiple books. So then they diversified, and that's what we saw some of the greatest companies in the world do. They built that audience, that minimum viable audience. Then they diversified into, believe it or not, not just digital, 
but print and in person. And that's what we did at obviously Content Marketing Institute. We have the blog platform as our main platform. That's how we built the base. And then we diversified into the magazine, Chief Content Officer, and the event, in-person event, content marketing world. And then monetization. So go back to the question. And this is, you know, if you said, Joe, how do you, how do you measure content marketing? I mean, there's lots of different ways to look at it, but I always look at it as what's the difference between what a subscriber does and behaves versus a non-subscriber? And that's the easiest way to do it. You know this, Chris, because you guys do some of this stuff where you can say, hey, here's my, here's the person that opted in and subscribed, and here's all the different actions that they took, and here's why it's better for the business. It just takes a while to get to that loyal audience first, so, but and most companies are impatient. They don't want to do that. And when you get the monetization, that's when you see several benefits. It's not usually just one thing like more quality leads. It's usually a number of things like they stay longer or they talk more about us as a company and market for us. Or we actually do have a revenue components like that's why I love Red Bull where, you know, Red Bull Media House where they've launched a number of new products that never existed before because they have an audience. So they're generating substantial amounts of revenue from that that has nothing to do with energy drinks. So it's just interesting to see how this happens. And the book goes into the six steps. But if you were starting off, back to your question, you're trying to figure out how to start a content brand, this is it. And this is the way that every company that we looked at in the book did it. Um, it just depends on the time. And you just have to be as patient as you can. But but this is, the, this is a proven system that has worked for a lot of companies in a lot of different industries. That's really, uh, it's a great, great system to follow. And I think, uh, you know, I'll definitely be buying the book. I can tell you that even though I, you know, I, I think we, we've got something going here. You can always learn a little bit more. Just curious. I mean, you know, talking about expansion and also where you start in that and the diversification. I mean, a lot of people have been told before that the best place to start from a cost perspective, from an ease of production perspective is a blog. Um, uh, you know, is that something you usually agree with? And you know, beyond there, is there a natural next step um, you know, that, that you see as most easiest for people to jump to? Um, you know, we really want our, our audience, obviously, to, to walk away here today with, you know, w with some things that they can execute always on content. No, no actually, um, just I mean our platform of choice was the blog. And there were a number of other ones that we talk about in the book for a blog, but there was just an equal amount that started with video. Uh, and there was another equal amount that started with podcasts. So it honestly doesn't matter. It, and so the, what we know is it's not the, oh, we have to have textual content. Oh, it has to be radio um, or it has to be audio. It, it, it doesn't have to be any of those things. What it has to be is you have to pick a platform and you have to build a loyal audience over that platform over time. So it honestly really doesn't matter. It I would go back to what makes the most sense for your organization? Like, do you have, like, for example, if you've got really good people that are good over the radio and you have a story that can be told over radio, then maybe it's an opportunity because then your secondary source would be textual. So you say, okay, what do you move into? The people that build their platforms, like a John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, he builds his platform on a podcast and he gets iTunes subscribers that way, but then he builds a resource, you know, blog resource, uh, show notes on the podcast that goes into the textual form. He's got downloadable eBooks, training, those types of things. Secondary, uh, we see most likely if you've launched with a blog platform, you diversify into a podcast. Um, videos really easy to see video going into podcast audio because you've got a lot of the audio already. 
But what's amazing, Randy, is the fact that it's almost consistent on in every case, everyone's trying to build email subscribers. I just think it's so funny. Like go to BuzzFeed, right? Like BuzzFeed, king of social media production. You know, they built their audience on social media. Go to any post on BuzzFeed and see what they're promoting. You know what they're promoting? Sign up for our emails. That's exactly what they're promoting because they're as scared as all the rest of us that Facebook is going to change their algorithm again or Twitter's not going to give us access to our audience anymore and then we'll be we'll be done. I I worry, significantly worry about like the meeting that I had today with, with a company that has millions and millions of followers on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and knowing that tomorrow they could, technically I don't think it'll happen, but they could be gone and then what do we do? So I'm like, use social media as you can right now, but we want to create as much of an asset opportunity off of that as we as we can, and I think email is a great way to look at it. Joseph, what would you say has been the biggest change in content marketing in the last few years? Now, I know that for a while people were like, oh, it's just a phase, it's a fad, whatever, and I think we all know that it's a sustainable model and almost everything is content, right? Like you can say content marketing is a silo, but what do you think has changed the most in the last few years? I like it a lot more now because I don't have to tell people what content marketing is. So that's a really good, I mean, when you go into a meeting and the first hour is spent just on educating people, that's tough. It's, it's tough to get to how to really help them because they don't have an understanding of what you're talking about. So just the fact that there's, I mean, we saw this in Germany recently. You know, Germany was really around corporate publishing. That was their term for content marketing. The association in London was Association of Publishing Agencies. They renamed the Content Marketing Association. Germany renamed to, I think it's called Content Marketing Forum or Forum for Content Marketing. The fact that internationally that is the term for this, what we talk about, valuable uh, creation of content and distribution of that content to change or, or maintain a behavior in a targeted audience, that's a big, big deal. So I love that aspect. Um, the biggest difference, I mean, so, I mean, sh sharing my age a little bit, but if I go back 20 years before we really knew how to leverage digital, this is amazing because what, there's no barriers to entry in this business. Anyone can do this. And I've seen it work in any size budget. Whether you have, I mean, if you come to me and you say, Joe, we'd love to do, take a content driven approach, but we don't have the budget. I laugh at them. I'm like, I mean, I had nothing when I started there and, and there's nothing has changed today except for the fact that it's even easier to create and distribute content on the web. Now, don't get me wrong, there's investments you have to make in that. It's not free, it's not cheap, but there are no barriers to entry for people to focus on a niche and be the leading expert and build an audience in that niche. So that's you know, probably those are the two two biggest things. And you know, you mentioned the whole thing about a fad, is there a fad and, and whatever. This is the thing that's true, and you both see this when you go into some of these companies, is that as much as we like to say that content marketing has matured, we're still in the very early innings of this. Uh, when we go into some of these big enterprises, it's just happening. Some content champion has taken it on. Even though everybody knows about it, they're not really doing it right. They're still very campaign-focused. 
They're not about building audiences. They're still about lower level metrics around web marketing or whatever, or web traffic or whatever they think is engagement to the organization. They're not building those audiences. So we're still very immature. It's like the muscle uh, that is atrophied that we used to be able to tell stories and now we have to kind of work it back in shape. That's kind of where we're at in the content marketing industry. So it's a still very exciting time. Still, um, you know, amazing opportunity that I get to go out and communicate and educate with people, but still so, so very long to go because as our research has told us year after year, the majority of companies that are doing content marketing have no documented content marketing strategy of any kind. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. That's like, I'm like, are you kidding me? We're this far in the process and we're still not documenting our strategy in some way. And some people don't even know what that means about how, you know, identifying your audience and figuring out what their pain points and needs are and figuring out what we have the authority to create content around and why we want to do it even for the business. So still, even though it's been around for over 100 years, still a long, long way to go. So uh, I got a lot of work left to do and, and we have a lot of things to do as a team. And, and I think you know that speaks to the opportunity for those who have, who have jumped on early to really be leaders in their companies and, and leaders in this industry and where everything's going. I think it's you know it's scary to your point how much is ahead and how few of us have, have jumped into the you know future, but you know exciting for those who have and you know hopefully those are some of the people listening today. Uh, you know one of one of the things Joe you talked about was you know also understanding what content is actually working and you know I think it's a good segue to, to talk about another one of our great sponsors today uh, and that's Inbound Writer uh, and, and they can help with some of that prediction some of that you know mystery of what content is most likely going to work and where we invest and where we diversify into really by focusing on what's working so this content analysis tool forecasts what content will perform based on a real-time analysis of your site your competition and search engine behaviors. Inbound Writer tells you which topics will work, which ones don't, and it really removes the guesswork from content creation in the first place, which is, as we know, one of the biggest areas of investment. If you want to learn more, you can check out their website at inboundwriter.com slash offer and uh, get a free month trial in doing so. Uh, so I'm going to finish with, with one more question, Joe, that that we're going to continue a tradition here at Content Pros of asking our guests, and it's going to take you back a little bit further into your childhood as to, you know, what was it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, you know, I, I, I know from stories you've told me you didn't necessarily envision landing here, but, you know, what was it way back when that, uh, that you were looking forward to? Well, because I can never answer any question with a short response. I'm going to, I'll do it in a variety of ways. So I, I grew up in uh, one side of my family were funeral directors. Uh, my father and my mother owned a restaurant. So I had a sort of a diverse upbringing there. Uh, and you could make what you want of that. Um, and I, I, growing up, I actually always wanted to be a farmer. I wanted to grow stuff. I wanted to see it grow. I want I like the process of it. The problem was I was terrible at it. Um, and as I got older and went into college and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I Then I wanted to really go and I thought, oh, I want to be in sports marketing. It'd be the greatest thing in the world. And then I did an internship at the Cleveland Cavaliers around sports uh, marketing and found out that all the money goes to the players and there's no money <laughs> left for anybody else for the most part. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Uh, what do we do? And, and just through a bunch of wonderful opportunities. I landed at uh, Pet Media in this industry called content marketing. It's just been, it, because basically 
through all that stuff, what I realized that I'm, what I'm probably best at is teaching. So if you ask me what I am today, I'm a, I'm a teacher uh, through all the, the strange stuff and growing up and the, the different things I was involved in throughout all of it. I just enjoyed education and teaching, and, and I just the difference is I don't teach in a classroom. I teach out in webinars and podcasts and, and all over the world doing keynote sessions, and it's, it's the best job in the world. That's a great answer, and you know, I, I think you could have done pretty well as a sports, uh, sports uh, agent had you landed LeBron James being from Cleveland, but, uh, but you yeah. know, I think we're all happy you didn't go that route. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that uh, in that industry. But but Jerry Maguire is one of my favorite movies, so I I do have to put that uh, put that on on occasion just to just to see what it would have been like. Huh? Well, thanks so much for your time, Joe. I I love the story of what you wanted to be when you grew up. I must say, I was a little disappointed. I thought the Godfather of content marketing meant you had mob or mafia ties. So I was waiting to hear. <laughs> that trajectory I couldn't uh, yeah those are things I have to leave out for various reasons let's just keep it there <laughs> got it okay all right cool well I'll see you guys in Cleveland at content marketing world and I'm so excited about this season of content pros thanks to Randy Frisch from Uberflip and to Joe Polizzi from content marketing Institute who also holds one of the best content marketing events in the entire world content marketing world in Cleveland so we'll see you guys there. Thanks for joining Content Pros. You can subscribe at contentprospodcast.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We are there. Give it a listen. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, Proof HQ, and Inbound Writer, and is produced by Convince & Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by... Audio.